0: I guess the idea behind product-led content is more like retention and reducing churn and that sort of thing, right? Because if people understand your product, they know the features, they can more likely to actually like it and stick with it. Is there much measurement of that uh, for for more of the the user guides and that sort of thing? Um, how does how does that aspect of it work?
1: I'll start off by saying there should be,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> whether
1: or not there always is.
0: Hi everyone and welcome to the content marketing podcast brought to you by Hedge, the finance content agency. My name's Jason Mountford and today on the show I'm joined by Ken McDonald. Ken, thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm, um, I'm keen to get in today because into today because uh, from our kind of conversations prior to, to jumping on to record this episode, we've talked a little bit about your background in in product management and kind of making the move over to content. And so, I'm really keen to learn a bit more uh, from you about how those two intersect. So, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your background and and what you do now?
1: Yep. So, uh, I've uh, have uh, probably more years of experience working than i care to admit uh, most days um, but uh, start out as a as an automotive engineer actually and then i got into uh, IT for um, organize large organizations um, either doing business analysis or project management um, and then for a stint there i switched over into agile coaching and during that i started working much closer with product people and realized that my certainly the business a- analysis background really helped out with that um, and then I did a stint that kind of combined those two things at a nonprofit called Agile Alliance, where um, I was doing product for them, basically kind of help maintain their website and all of their systems, and then also managing the content on their site. It's a big community for, for folks that do um, agile software development. And then since then, I've been working in product. In the last couple of years, I've, I've started moving into doing freelance writing on the side, mostly talking about product management related things, uh, just trying to share my experiences, um, with other folks. And then also to, uh, I also use it as a way to kind of learn a bit more about what's going on in product management in the types of, uh, products that I don't get a chance to work on, on a day-to-day basis. So it's kind of a way to learn for me. And it, uh, was also a way for me to get shorter writing projects in than the three books, um, I've written so far, cause those tend to take way too long.
0: Awesome. Okay. So that's quite a secureless kind of journey, then. So, why don't we start by um, kind of defining those roles a little bit, a little bit more, mm-hmm. right? So, my understanding is is project um, agile is like a project management. Then you've got product management, and then obviously the content strategy side. Mm-hmm. Can you break each of those down, and sort of let me and kind of talk me through how they fit into a, a company's um, business model?
1: Sure, uh, I'll start with with agile. So, agile uh, is is actually it's a it's a it's a value system, if you will, um, and a set of um, values and principles for how to approach software development. Uh, it came about uh, back in 2001 when a group of developers got together and said, there's got to be a, a better way to do this stuff. And so they kind of looked at how they had all been approaching it individually and said, um, what are some things that we can call similar? And so the, the approach um, has some characteristics such as it's it's much more iterative. They don't uh, try and learn everything up front um, and do a bunch of uh, analysis before they start building stuff. They actually say let's break the work down into chunks, um, build a little bit, learn from that, uh, adjust and move forward from that. And it's also a lot about collaboration. Um, so changing uh, so kind of working directly with folks that you're building software products for. Um, all along the way as opposed to finding out some stuff from at the beginning and going away and, and building for six months coming back and then saying, oh, that's not not what we were looking for at all. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. kind of what agile is in a very brief nutshell. Um, product management actually started uh, in the uh, consumer packaged goods area um, where I can't remember I think it was Procter and Gamble maybe um, mm-hmm. wanted to, figure out a way to better kind of market their products. And so they the, there was a memo, and it was uh, back in the 60s, I believe, and they said, we, we got to kind of structure these folks um, so they can be working and, and focused on a particular product. Um, product management has grown up a lot in the software world, and it tallies not only... Um, the act of working with uh, I refer to them as a product team, but it's developers, designers to actually build a product. But it's also the work up front to understand what problem are we trying to solve for people? And what's a good solution for us to build to do that, that solves our customers problems, but also um, makes money for our company, right? So product management kind of covers all of that. And product managers tend to be the people that fill in the gaps between all the other folks they're working with. So they work with developers, they work with designers, they work with the users of the software that they're building, and inevitably there's gonna be some gaps in there, and usually the product manager gets to be the person that fills those in.
0: We're gonna get into this in a little bit more detail, but it's pretty clear already how the content is important in that, right? Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you're trying to, you've got a product manager there who are working on creating a product that's going to be great for the end user, solves their pain point, solves their problems. But then if you can't then communicate the vision that the product manager has in their in their mind, then it's all for nothing really, isn't it? You've got to be able to then sell that product to to your ideal clients.
1: Yep. So content fits in there in, a, in a quite a few places. Um, one One place is, and it's not so much content, but it definitely is writing is how you communicate with the rest of your team about what what the problem is we're trying to solve um, what you found out from talking to users and customers what you found out during your research um, and and certainly and this is where agile kind of sneaks back in again that the idea there is, is you're doing it in a very collaborative fashion where you know you have a, a lot of whatever the best uh, highest um most effective means of communicating, you want to try and do that. And so for a while, people in the agile community said, well, you got to all work together. Well, in coming after 2020, you know, you don't always have people always in the <laughs> same room. Um, so writing came much more important about that. Uh, but then content certainly becomes important when you're um, getting your product ready for people to start using it. Um, so you need content for selling your product, which is uh, certainly... Uh, A lot of where content marketing comes from is what's the best way that we can both educate our customers and users about our product, uh, but then also kind of convince them to use it. Uh, And then there's also content marketing for how they actually use it. So it's all the help documentation and and all of the instructions along that way, or even suggesting here's new and different ways you can use this product to solve problems that you have. Um, So content certainly comes into play a lot there as well. And it, it turns out that a lot of the work that content strategists do to build an audience and everything is very similar to what product managers do in terms of understanding their customers and users to figure out what product should we be building.
0: Mm. So do you tend to find from your experience that one comes before the other? Do you businesses tend to focus on that content around, um, you know, user guides, how to actually use the product, what it's for, and then worry about the marketing aspect of content marketing. They tend to happen a bit at the same time. What's been your experience from that that perspective?
1: It depends. Um, and I, and I think a lot of it depends on who's on the team working on the product. Mm -hmm. Uh, and what's the, what is the company's, um, go to market approach? So, If you've got a company that is product-led, meaning that they kind of let the product sell itself, um, Mm -hmm. their content's going to be a lot more about how to use it. They'll be building at the same time how to use the software as well as content about why you should use it, right? Um, If, however, you've got a company that tends to be more focused on using a a traditional sales approach where they've got a sales force and people doing demos and things like that, Um, you may actually see more effort placed into content in order to sell the product. And then um, we'll come up with some other ways to help the users figure out how to do it, whether it's a a more um, staffed up customer success or where it's we'll just let them figure it out or we'll just hope our uh, interface is intuitive enough that they can figure it out on their own. Um, so it kind of depends on how the company approaches it. Do
0: you have any examples you could share of companies that fall into each of those buckets?
1: One example that is always positioned as a uh, product led growth is uh, Slack, um, mm-hmm. where up in, and I don't even know if they s- still don't have a sales force or not, but. Up until very recently, at least, they pretty much relied on um, word of mouth and network effect where you get someone to try it out and they say, oh, for this to be really useful, I got to have my whole team working on it. And then, oh, it could be even more useful if you got other teams working on it. So they just kind of spread it out um, organically that way. Um, and so mm-hmm. with Slack, a lot of their content is about here's how to use it and yeah. and things of that nature. Um a, comp- a product that's more tends to be more sales led is if you think of any large inter- software for enterprises where you have to sign up for a demo or talk to a salesperson before you can even see the software. That's that's kind of what I mean from a sales led perspective.
0: Okay, so when it comes to like your I guess traditional content marketing where you're putting out thought thought leadership, SEO based content, yeah, you know, that, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. There's a pretty clear. Uh, i guess playbook around that right like you know there's a the keyword research there's um you know trending trending type content um, all with the same end goal to drive traffic to mm-hmm. then get conversions when you're looking at product product led content is there a kind of rough playbook that's followed for a content strategy for that or again is it just really very dependent on the individual business and and what they're trying to highlight and do
1: it's very similar to the stuff you would do for just content strategy in general and to make it even Mm -hmm. more inception like um, most of the freelance writing i do is for companies that build tools for product managers so right. if, if they, <laughs> that doesn't start getting your brain wrapped around in circles. <laughs> um, so a lot of the content I'm producing is, is more, it's not so much directly related to the product so much as it is trying to bring attention and potential customers to that company. So uh, companies in, in that space like to build up resource, um, collection of resources, that product managers are gonna find that help them out being a product manager. And then while they're in there, they say, oh, hey, I just went to product plan and this great article here. Um, I'm gonna try out their software. Um, so it's more about just the ins and outs of doing product management and then finding ways to, oh, here's how you do, here's how you build a roadmap. And oh, by the way, if you're looking for a tool to help you do this, we've got one for you. You know, it, it's not that blatant, but things of that nature. Um, is one way you do it so it's kind of different as they're looking at different levels of kind of a uh, acquisition funnel there a lot of stuff is let's just get at people's attention get them knowing about our company um, and getting to know like and trust us and then from there we can start gradually bringing them in to say um and if you're interested in learning about how we can help you do these things here's a here's our product and we'll explain more about it
0: yeah okay interesting so working as a content strategist now and mm-hmm. doing some of the writing on the side, What is your, what does a new client engagement look like for you? What are the kind of, um, what are the, what's the information you want from the company you're potentially going to work with? What do you offer them? How does that kind of work?
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I should note that, um, my, my day gig, if you will, is I'm still a practicing product manager, um, which I think mm-hmm. helps me a great deal, um, with that expertise so that when I'm writing stuff focused on product management, I, I can immediately relate to the audience. Um, So when I'm talking to new freelance writing clients, a lot of it is uh, understanding what it is they're trying, what is they hope that the pieces I'm putting together for them, what they're hoping to accomplish with those, like what outcomes are they looking to get? And again, are they um, trying to establish themselves as a, a, a known and trusted resource for their customers in the product management space say or are they looking for tying their product to um, specific scenarios that a product manager would want to tackle so what you know what are they trying to accomplish Um, and then a, a bit of it is just kind of do they have a specific um, thought in mind about how they're... Pro- do they have a, for example, do they have an editorial calendar or do they need help with putting that together to kind of build up the story, if you will, of, of kind of putting a whole slate of, of content together? Um, to be honest, most of the stuff I'm working on now is kind of... A, they've kind of got a, a editorial calendar process in place. And so I'm really there to provide um, specific pieces um based on my background and experience that may they may not be able to get from other people that they have writing for them
0: with that in mind i guess with a lot of the uh, yeah so i guess it's just tying a lot of the different pieces uh together then really making sure that they're all working towards the same end objective um do you find that there's well how do you measure the success of more the product Led content. So obviously for, mm-hmm. for, for content marketing, where you're trying to acquire new users, that's fairly straightforward, you know, attribution can be a bit tricky at times, but it's, you know, it's about growing traffic and that sort of thing. And that's relatively straightforward. Mm-hmm. I guess the idea behind product led content is more like retention and reducing churn and that sort of thing, right? Because if people understand your product, they know the features they can more likely to actually like it and stick with it. Is it, is there much measurement of that uh, for for more of the the user guides and that sort of thing? Um, how does how does that aspect of it work?
1: I'll start off by saying there should be, um, yeah. <laughs> whether or not there always is. Um, that's a different story. Uh, one client that I'm working with that specifically, we have been doing some stuff related to a, a new feature they rolled out, um, we started by saying, let's get some pieces together to draw attention to the the feature and it's how to use the feature in certain scenarios. Um, and now we're coming back and saying, okay, now that these features have been published on the blog, let's go ahead and take a look at um, usage numbers, you know, and see, has there been any noticeable movement? Um, As you mentioned, attribution can be very difficult because there could be a whole slew of things that are leading to um, people using the features more. Um, In some cases, you might be in a situation where if you're able to embed links directly to those features, you can measure how many people are following the links inside there to to at least go over and try it out. Um, So part of that depends on how well the company has tied in their telemetry to, and that's instrumentation and measurement, collecting metrics about how people are using their software, how well they're tying that into the pieces that we're putting together. Um, and so that's an ideal thing. In the case of uh, where you're doing more just, we want to try and build up uh, the client as a, as, a, as a company that people know, like, and trust, that really you're you're kind of going back to how many people are reading it. Um, if there's links in it, how many people are following through, or the people following in on following on on the call to action and things of that nature.
0: Yeah, definitely. When I first got into marketing, I, w- I was very surprised how difficult attribution is. <laughs> you know, you'd think that that would be number one. You'd think that would be kind of vital, which it is. Um, and you would think that given how much money goes into the industry and the amount of, you know, the the tech stack that exists and uh, everything these days, you'd think that that would be a little bit more straightforward, but it it seems a very, very tough nut to crack.
1: Yeah. And a dirty secret, and it may not be so secret in product management is, is that it's equally as hard to do attribution. Um, So when you put a new feature into a product, uh, it's often very difficult to tell whether it had the intended result. So. Usually, if a if a company is doing product the way that most people say you should, um, they're starting off by saying we want to have some type of we want to try to address some sort of business outcome that we're looking for. So, and you know, we want to grow revenue, we want to you know retain users, any of that kind of thing. Um, but as, as you would expect, there's a lot of things that can go into influencing those types of big business metrics. So teams will often say, okay, well, let's come up with a a, a a metric that is closer to our influence that we have a little bit more control over um so something that measures how people behave once they use your a particular feature let's measure that and then we can assume that if if this metric goes in the right direction then the corresponding business metric will it's well as well um, so oftentimes if if product teams are um, serious about measuring—that's the approach they have to take. And then, of course, there's some assumptions in there that if we impact this metric, it's going to impact this over this business metric over here. Um, the bad yeah. thing is, is that there's a lot of t- product teams that don't necessarily get that far. Mm. They just chuck yeah. a met- check a feature in, and then they move on to the next thing.
0: Too hard basket. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned you've been in the you've been in the game a long time. You've seen mm-hmm. how, and, and even over the last few years, it's not been that long, but companies have had a challenge in the way that they communicate with their potential clients and customers and, and actual customers. Um, what are some of the changes you're seeing in the types of content that companies are putting out, both product, product-led product and, and otherwise?
1: And this is probably stretching over um, the last 5, 10 years, definitely have seen a huge growth in the idea that instead of directly selling people all the time, it really is more interested about let's, let's um, be viewed as educating them. And then once we build that rapport and trust with them, then they'll be more likely to buy from us. So um, Brian Clark from copy blogger calls that the minimum viable audience approach where you're kind of building up the, the the group of people that um, you can then start learning from to figure out what they, what it is they're really looking forward to forward. So Um, I think that's probably a a big growth. Um, The other interesting thing is, and this isn't so much a a straight trend in one direction, it's kind of more of a roller coaster, but it's um, (laughs) how things like email, newsletters, and blogs always tend to die and always come back. So when social media came up, oh, this is going to be the death of blogs and email newsletters because everybody's going to go to social media. And then we tried that for a while and I said, oh, no, wait, that doesn't work. Um, People actually (laughs) do like long form content. So we're going to go back to this. Um, There's certainly probably a bit more with the whole thought of um, video content coming into play where um, um, I, being (laughs) a little bit long in the tooth, um, much prefer to read stuff than watch videos. Mm-hmm. And I probably am rare in that case. Um, but you'll still see that there are people that prefer to... Uh, basically, it comes down to people like to absorb information in a variety of different ways, so you have to account for that. Um, mm-hmm. So those are a couple of the the things I've... Trends I've seen over the last few years um, as far as communicating things out.
0: So when a company is either it's a, it's a complete startup launch yet to launch their product or have just launched the product or it's in development early stages anyway, or you've got an existing company who is, um, making changes or launching something new at at what part of that process as a product manager, would you look to start building the content strategy around that?
1: Best way to do it is as early as possible. So, Mm -hmm. um, like I mentioned before, uh, the discovery aspect of product management and content strategy are extremely similar. When you're initially doing research and discovery to figure out, okay, what's our next, either what's our next product going to be, and hopefully you're looking at is as what's our next problem we're going to help customers solve. Um, mm-hmm. You're learning information at that point, And it's usually often you're learning a bit more about your customers and users, which will certainly help you communicate with them as well. But you're also trying to figure out, you know, what problems do they have that we can help them solve? So you're starting to build up that information. And you're, and then as you start saying, okay, we've identified that this is a problem that our customers have. And by customers, at this point, you've got a certain group of people that you're really thinking, I, we can help these folks out. Um, so you've got that problem identified. And then you're thinking, okay, so... How can we talk to them about this problem in a way that they immediately grasp too? So it's it's really understanding what language they use to talk about their problem and how it how they would like to have it solved, and finding ways of working that into um, ideally you're working it into your product as well, but then certainly working it into the messaging about that product that you start rolling it out. Um, and mm. and so hopefully you're able to kind of in, in parallel as you're actually building the solution. You're also, if not writing the content you're going to be releasing, you're at least thinking about it to think, how are we going to structure this and how are we going to get out there and what messages are going to resonate uh, with the people that we're targeting with this. So it they should be mm-hmm. kind of working in lockstep throughout the entire process. Does that ha- is that how it usually happens? Nah, probably not. But, you know in a perfect world that's how i'd want to do it
0: yeah interesting okay so i mean one of the trends that we've seen a little bit in recent years which is not huge but you see this on twitter quite a lot this whole build in public thing normally it's like solopreneurs Mm -hmm. you know individual programs and things who are creating kind of micro sasses and and doing that in public do you think that bigger companies could take something from that not necessarily like laying out their numbers in excruciating detail, but maybe a bit more content around the R&D process. Cause that's not something that I've come across very often.
1: Uh, I, I certainly do think they, they can do that. Um, I don't know if they have the appetite to do that um, mm-hmm. because they're so accustomed to thinking is that when we're doing product development, we don't want anyone else to find out what we're doing. Cause then they'll copy it. Um, yep. But it seems to me that if you're working on something for half a year and you find out it's a complete flop, I'd much rather have at least kind of <laughs> done some investigation to figure out if it was going to be something that's going to actually work. And, and there's ways of doing that where you can sort of build in public, but not really, um, to at least figure out, is there even an appetite for this kind of thing? Um, and, mm-hmm. and it depends on what it is you're working on, obviously. But um, yeah, you you tend to, to see... Um, organizations, when they first start now, they're like, ah, we don't have anything to lose. We're just going to go do this. And, and then <laughs> as they start getting bigger, they start being more protective of things. And sometimes you wonder, um, what if you didn't lose that that idea of, of uh, building in public, as you say, if for no other reason as a research tool to find out, hey, yeah. are people actually interested in this? Because there's a lot of times where you can ask someone if they would buy something or if they're interested in it, and they'll say, sure, because they want to say something that you want they think you want to hear. But their actions really tell the, the the truth as far as what they actually will do with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the next few years um, plays out because obviously the, the the landscape is is changing all the time. Um, if you had if you were going into a company with your content strategist hat on and and you were going to mm-hmm. give them some advice around product led content, what would be kind of the the really key things you would say that they would have to make sure they get? Um, Keep either key pieces of content or key content themes that they would really want to tick off early on in the process.
1: I, I think it it comes down to starting off with really understanding who their users are and who their customers are. Um, and those two mm-hmm. groups of people may be the same, and they may be different. So, customers are the people that are actually paying money for the product. They may or may not be the same people that use it. So, um, most of my work has been in the business to business space, and so you often do see the people that sign the checks are not the same ones that are actually using the product on a day-to-day basis. Um, And in those cases, you still got to know both. Um, One, as I mentioned before, you got to know what problems they're trying to solve. But then you also need to know what are going to be the things that resonate with them that make them interested in buying your product or using it. And even if you've got folks that um, aren't the decision makers about buying a product, but they have to use it every day, they're going to have influence because they can either um, choose, they can sometimes choose not to use it um, or they can practice a form of malicious compliance where they sort of use it, but not in the way it was intended. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, or they can influence the purchasers and say, look, we really, this, this software is a piece of piece of garbage. We shouldn't use it. Um, so yeah. understanding, having a good understanding of, of both of those groups of people, specifically for whatever it is you're targeting to do is important so one you're building the right product to solve whatever problem it is you're trying to do but then also knowing how to communicate about that product to them when the time comes
0: interesting so i guess for product people it's about not getting too bogged down or uh, too bogged down on the actual use case for your product that's obviously very very important Mm -hmm. but not forgetting who's paying for it right like at the end of the day you're not advertising if you're a kid's toys company you're not only advertising to the kids who want that toy you're advertising who the parents are going to be paying for it right yeah
1: i mean you could build the greatest product that solves a a particular problem in the best way possible but it's not doing your company much good if
0: no one buys it and no one knows about it (laughs) yeah definitely yeah for sure so what about tools then so in your kind of day-to-day work your your workflow the way that you manage your your week what are some of the tools or apps or websites or things that you find most useful in your job
1: I am um, my answer here is probably going to be disappointing <laughs> to a lot of people <laughs> um, I, I like to keep it simple and because I do um, freelance work both as a product manager and as a content um marketer content strategist i generally go with whatever tools um my clients use so um for example right now one client i use uh, i work with uses asana so I'm like, okay well we'll do asana um, for that particular yeah. thing um i do tend to keep track of my own writing uh, assignments i keep i use trello it's it's simple it's straightforward it's it's, it's a good way to keep things. Um, and then from drafting perspective, um, I swear by Google Docs um, yeah. because most of the time it'll save itself automatically. I've had a couple of cases where that didn't happen and that was disappointing. Um, but also <laughs> because if you are in a, a situation where you're uh, drafting collaboratively, um, you can do that very easily where you're both in there at the same time and making changes. In fact, yeah. uh, this has been a few years, um, but I was working with someone in the UK. Um, on an article uh, and we were able to get up on, get on a, um, it wasn't even zoom at that time. Uh, We were able to get on a video call and then have the the draft open at the same time. And and we're talking through it. And that was, that was very powerful. Um, I also use um, pro writing aid as a Mm -hmm. kind of a last editorial check. Um, I find that I prefer doing that after the, after the fact. So I do the crappy first draft and then run it through um, because I find having so um, I use Grammarly for other stuff, but when I'm drafting pieces, I don't have it turned on because I find the in inline um, suggestions distracting if I'm just trying to get words down on the screen.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Well, look, Ken, it's, um, it's been really good to have you on the show. Interesting to hear about, uh... Uh, about the intersection of content and um, and product development, product management. I think there's definitely something that not a lot of content marketers that I've come across tend to focus on a lot, and, and probably a lot of a lot of scope there for some really great work. So, thanks very much for your insights mm-hmm. on that. I, I really appreciate your time.
1: Oh, thanks for having me on. This was great.
0: And if people want to get in touch with you, get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh,
1: I am on LinkedIn. Um, so just look for Kent and Jay McDonald. Uh, do, um, you know, follow me if you'd like to connect. Uh, just mention that you heard me on the content marketing podcast. Um, so that'd be the great thing. The other place, uh, if you're interested in some of the stuff I write uh, for a specific subset of product people, um, come to InsideProduct.co. That's InsideProduct.co. Uh, that's kind of my own personal blog where I keep stuff in addition to the stuff I wrote for other folks.
0: Fantastic, thanks again.